What is up, Electric Academy? Thanks for joining me. Today, we're just going to get a little bit thunderstruck and talk about AC-DC, alternating current versus direct current, if you couldn't tell through the little intro at the beginning there. So we're going to talk about the history behind AC and DC, so alternating current and DC, direct current, different ways to generate AC and DC, and some examples of AC-DC applications. Now, don't think that one is better than the other because we definitely are in need of both of them. If you look at the plug on your wall, that will be, if you stick your tongue in it, be giving you a good jolt of AC alternating current. However, if you are listening to this on your phone, this is all coming through on DC because your battery is powering your phone. So we're going to discuss the kind of both how they're important and why we need them. In fact, actually, you can't even have AC without DC. So alphabetically, let's get started with the AC alternating current. Alternating current describes the flow of charge that changes direction periodically. As a result, the voltage level also reverses along with the current. AC is used to deliver power to houses, office buildings, you know, schools, etc. So to generate AC, AC can be produced using a device called an alternator. This device is a special type of electrical generator designed to produce alternating current. And if you want, I will put in the show notes. I've got, a, I don't know if you guys know this, but I have a YouTube channel. And in the YouTube channel, I talk about alternators. I'll put a link in the show notes to that video. So if you want to see how a sine wave is generated or how alternating current is generated, make sure you click on that YouTube link and it will take you to the video where I show you how that's all done. So basically, it's a loop of wires spun inside a magnetic field, which induces a current along the wire. The rotation of the wire can come from any number of means, a turbine, a steam turbine, a wind turbine, flowing water, a dam. It could just even be a hand crank like we did probably in um, science fairs, like when you were in grade five, as I did actually. Because the wire spins and enters a different magnetic polarity periodically, the voltage and current alternates on the wire. So what's happening is you have a conductor cutting through magnetic lines of flux. So you have magnetic lines of flux that are flowing from north to south. And as the wire rotates through those magnetic lines of flux, what will happen is when they're running parallel to the lines of flux, no lines of flux are getting cut, so no voltage induced. And as it starts to rotate, you're cutting more and more lines of flux and you're getting more and more voltage and then back down the other way. So you end up getting a sine wave. And again, make sure you go to that video and check that out and it shows it all the way through. Now, if we talk about alternating current as a water analogy, we to generate AC in a set of pipes, we connect a mechanical crank to a piston that moves water in the pipes back and forth. No, so if you have a little pinched pipe or pinched area of the pipe, that's more like a resistor or resistance. So there's something there that will resist the flow of the water. I'll put a GIF in the show notes too that um, will kind of show you what I'm talking about here. But it's just it's going back and forth, back and forth, and so work is being done on the resistor as the current flows back and forth across it. Now, AC can come in a number of forms as long as the voltage and current are alternating. So if we hook up a scope or an oscilloscope to a circuit with AC and plot its voltage over time, you're going to see a number of different waveforms. The most common type of the AC is in a sine wave. The AC in most homes and offices can have an oscillating voltage that produce the sine wave. So you'll commonly see that. It's just, you'll uh, again, watch that video. But a sine wave is very, very common. 
And that's generally what you're seeing. You can get dirty sine waves, which we'll talk about when we talk about harmonics. Now, you can also see a square wave or a triangle wave. So square waves and triangle waves, they're often used in digital and switching electronics to test their operation. So it's not so common for us to see them out in the real world, especially as electricians. You electronics geeks and nerds, <laughs> no, no offense, you guys will see probably square waves and triangle waves. Uh, typically, us goons, the electricians, will only see the sine waves coming along there. So triangle waves are found in sound. So you sound junkies out there, you would know what we're talking about. And they're really useful for testing linear electronics like amps. So we often want to describe an AC sine wave in mathematical terms, but I don't really get too into that. So again, we're going to talk through this and just say that as the conductor cuts the lines of flux, it's going to induce a voltage or a voltage will be put on that conductor and it will go through and generate the sine wave through it. Now, the applications of AC, home and office outlets are almost always AC, and it's because generating and transporting AC across long distances is really relatively easy, and it's done through the use of transformers, which we'll talk about in a later episode. But generally, what the nice thing is with AC is you can easily step a voltage up and step a voltage down to transmit it. Now, why that's important is if we step a voltage up to super high voltage, the current is going to be lower, and which means that we will end up with less I squared R losses or less heat losses through the cable. So we can transmit that with a lot of pressure and a little bit of current. And then once it gets to where it needs to go, we can step that voltage back down to a safer value. So I will actually do an episode on how the power distribution works from the generation station right through to your house in another episode. So I won't go too much into that now, but again, it is very nice because we can go ahead and transmit. That's one of the high, one of the biggest advantages of AC. Now, higher voltages mean lower currents. Lower currents means less heat generated in the power line due to resistance. AC can be converted to and from high voltages easily using transformers. AC is also capable of powering electric motors. Motors and generators are exactly the same device, but motors convert electrical energy into mechanical energy. And the other way around is mechanical energy is converted to electrical energy through a generator. So it's the same idea. It's just one spinning one way and one's you're putting power to it to spin it. And the other is you're getting power from it by spinning it. So there it is. Now, the, when they're being spun, the motors, the, some common applications that you might see are you'll see them on like large appliances like dishwashers, refrigerators, motors out for conveyor systems if you're into commercial pumps, like they're absolutely everywhere. So motors are very important. And again, AC helps spin them, especially three phase. It makes it very, very easy and efficient to run a motor. And again, just to get peak your interest, we'll go into single phase and AC motors at a later date. Now, direct current. Direct current is a bit easier to understand than alternating current because rather than oscillating back and forth, DC provides a constant voltage or current. Now, DC can be generated in a number of ways. An AC generator equipped with a device called a commutator can produce direct current, and I'll actually have an episode on that. It's in the queue. Uh, use of a device called a rectifier that converts AC to DC, and the easiest way that we can understand DC is batteries, which generate from a chemical reaction inside the battery. So if we use our analogy of water again, DC is similar to a tank of water with a hose at the end, and we just have a valve that kind of turns and opens the, the tank. So the tank can only push water out one way, out the hose. 
Similarly to our DC producing battery, once the tank is empty, water no longer flows through the pipe. So that is the one downside to it. Now, DC is defined as unidirectional flow of current. Current only flows in one direction. Voltage and current can carry or vary over time, so as long as the direction of flow does not change. To simplify things, we'll assume that the voltage is a constant. For example, if we use a AA battery, it provides 1.5 volts, which can be described in mathematical terms as like V is equal to 1.5 volts. So if you actually plotted this over time, unlike the sine wave where you have an oscillating back and forth, you just have a straight line going across. Now, what does that mean? It means we can count on most DC sources to provide a constant voltage over time. In reality, a battery will slowly lose its charge, meaning that the voltage will drop as the battery is used. And you notice that if we got a flashlight and it starts getting dimmer and dimmer because the voltage is going down or the voltage pressure is going down not enough to push those electrons through and therefore your light starts to dim. Now, some applications for DC. Almost all electronics are parts like electronics dealing with, I'm sorry, I'm talking about like your phones and your, your laptops and your iPads, all those are running on DC. So another one that we're going to use, especially for us electricians are wireless to cordless tools, not wireless tools, same thing. Cordless tools, like cordless drills. Those are all off batteries. So cell phones, batteries, flat screen TVs, you can have some of those running off power flashlights and the big one nowadays is hybrid and electric vehicles. You're starting to see DC make a big push on there, and we're seeing those everywhere. Now, just as a little bit of history lesson here, because I like to make these short and sweet, so we're not going to go too deep into the math behind the AC and DC. Just suffice it to say is that AC is oscillating, and DC is just straight line. Now, let's talk about the battle of the currents. Almost every home and business is wired for AC nowadays. However, it wasn't always, this was not an overnight decision. In the late 1880s, a variety of inventions across the United States and Europe led to a full-scale battle between AC and DC distribution. In 1886, Gans Works, an electric company located in Budapest, electrified all of Rome with AC. Thomas Edison, on the other hand, had constructed 121 DC power stations in the United States by 1887. A turning point in the battle came when George Westinghouse, a famous industrialist from Pittsburgh, purchased Nikola Tesla's patents for AC motors and transmission over the next year. Now, in the late 1800s, DC could not be easily converted to high voltages. And as a result, Edison proposed a system of small local power plants that would power individual neighborhoods or city sections. Power is distributed using three wires from the power plant, plus 110 volts, zero volts, and negative 110 volts. Lights and motors could be connected between either the plus positive 110 or 110 socket and the zero volts. Now, 110 allowed for some voltage drop between the plant and the load. Even though the voltage drop across the power lines was accounted for, power plants needed to be located within one mile of the end user. This limitation made power distribution in rural areas extremely difficult, if not impossible. With Tesla's patents, Westinghouse worked to perfect the AC distribution system. Transformers provided an inexpensive method to step up the voltage of AC to several thousand volts and back down to usable levels. At higher voltages, the same power could be transmitted at a much, much lower current, which meant less power loss due to resistance in the wires. As a result, large power plants could be located miles away and service a greater number of people and buildings. Now, Edison went on, he wasn't too happy about all this, so he went on a bit of a smear campaign against Tesla and Westinghouse. 
Over the next few years, Edison ran a campaign to highly discourage the use of AC in the United States, which included lobbying state legislatures and spreading disinformation about AC. Edison was also directed, he also directed several technicians to publicly electrocute animals with AC in an attempt to show that AC was more dangerous than DC. In an attempt to display these dangers, Howard P. Brown and Arthur Kennelly, employees of Edison, designed the first electric chair for the state of New York using AC. In 1891, the International Electrotechnical Exhibition was held in Frankfurt, Germany, and displayed the first long-distance transmission of three-phase AC, which powered lights and motors at the exhibition. Several representatives from what would become General Electric were present and were subsequently impressed by the display. The following year, General Electric formed and began to invest in AC technology. Westinghouse won a contract in 1893 to build a hydroelectric dam to harness the power of Niagara Falls and transmit AC to Buffalo, New York. The project was completed on November 16, 1896, and AC power began to power industries in Buffalo. This milestone marked the decline of DC in the United States. While Europe would adopt an AC standard of 220 to 240 volts at 50 hertz, the standard in North America would become 120 volts at 60 hertz. Now, Swiss engineer René Thury used a series of motor generators to create high-voltage DC systems in the 1880s, which could be used to transmit DC power over long distances. However, due to the high cost and maintenance of the theory systems, HVDC, high voltage direct current, was never adopted for almost a century. With the invention of a semiconductor in electronics in the 1970s, economically transforming between AC and DC became possible. Specialized equipment could be used to generate high voltage DC power, sometimes reaching 800 kilovolts. Parts of Europe had begun to employ HVDC lines to electrically connect various countries. HVDC lines experienced less loss than equivalent AC lines over extremely long distances. Additionally, HVDC allows different AC systems, 50 Hz and 60 Hz, to be connected. Despite its advantages, HVDC systems are more costly and less reliable than the common AC systems. In the end, Edison, Tesla, and Westinghouse may have had their wishes come true. AC and DC can coexist in each serve a purpose. You cannot have one without the other. It's just so very important to realize that. That as much as we might think that AC is better than DC, you cannot have AC without DC and vice versa. You need that DC to run things such as our batteries on our phones and all those fun electronic equipment that we have come to see as ubiquitous in our life. We, we absolutely need it. So you should now have a pretty good understanding of the difference between AC and DC. AC is easier to transform between voltage levels, which makes it high voltage transmission more feasible. DC, on the other hand, is found in almost all electronics and all cordless tools that are out there. So you should know that the two do not mix very well, and you will need to transform AC to DC if you wish to plug in most electronics into the wall socket. But also you should realize that we can also turn DC into AC with an inverter, so there's other things to talk about in the future. With this understanding, you should be ready to tackle some more complex circuitry and concepts, even if they do contain AC. And that kind of takes me to the conclusion of today's podcast. Again, short and sweet, but as always, informative. Um, if you're liking what you're listening to on these, please let me know if there's anything else that I could be adding into here or that you would like to hear about. And if you're liking it, please do me a favor and hit that five-star review on whatever you're listening to it on. If you're listening on Spotify, uh, Overcast, Apple, iTunes, any of those, if you could do me a huge favor and just give a quick review and a quick five-star rating, that would be fantastic. 
As always, the Electric Academy is always open. So if you want to check out the YouTube channel, there are over 100 videos there, tutorial videos on AC theory systems. And you can also hop on over to the website and get yourself on the membership waiting list. That is going to be hopefully coming live pretty soon. I've been working pretty hard at it. Uh, what I'm looking for specifically here is to create a good community where we can get some questions answered and have some discussions about code, have some discussions about theory, and just basically a one-stop shop for electrical theory, a resource for your schooling, not a replacement for your schooling, but a resource and something there to help with your education. As always, everyone, stay classy. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week on the Electric Academy. Have a great week, everyone.